temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I've got a confession to make. I'm a baseball fan. More than that, I'm a New York Met fan. And most Met fans will tell you we're pretty good on opening day. So not having an opening day is especially painful for us. I never imagined not only that it would come to this, but we don't know what the end game is. We're beyond imagining our future for the moment, but what if baseball does come back later this year, and what if it can provide that emotional boost we saw that first game after 9-11? My conversation with the voice of the New York Mets, Howie Rose. This is 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheldt, News Director at WCBS News Radio 880. And indulge me, please, with a coronavirus conversation with one of the great baseball broadcasters, Howie Rose. Howie and I are friends. We were together in spring training just three weeks ago, but a lot has happened since. Howie is still in Florida. He's fine. He's there with his wife and one of his daughters. They have a home there. They've been going stir-crazy like the rest of us. So we got on the phone to talk about coronavirus. We talk about missing opening day. And we talk about that unforgettable night when baseball returned after the 9-11 attacks. We were together... Um, seems like years ago, but it was only really a couple of weeks ago. And, and, I don't th- and we knew that this was serious, but I don't think... You know, we spent the dinner together. I don't think we really... You know, both of us, even though we recognized it was serious, thought it would ever get to this. Is that uh... not in our wildest imagination? I never imagined not only that it would come to this, but we don't know what the end game is. You know, never mind the health risks and the primary concern being everybody's physical condition. But how long is it going to be before we can return to any semblance of normalcy? And within that little sphere within which we operate baseball when does it mean that we have a baseball season if we have a baseball season my hope is that we will and my opinion is that any size or any length season is acceptable what what have you been doing to pass the time you um reading you know what you get out a little bit down there yeah well we've got the luxury of being in florida and we've been very fortunate that the weather's been very good So to the extent that you can engage in any outdoor activities, riding your bike, taking walks, things like that, 
we've been able to enjoy the sun laying in the backyard. I love to read, and um, I'm reading a, a book now. I love historical fiction, and there's a writer named Andrew Gross, not the same Andrew Gross who covers hockey for Newsday, but an Andrew Gross who uh, wrote a book called Button Man, which I'm enjoying immensely about uh, the situation in the Garment Center in New York in the 1930s. And uh, I, I, that, that one genre is something I can't read enough of. So if anybody's got any suggestions, throw them my way, because as we know, plenty of time to catch up on reading. This is something that, you know, a Michael Crichton novel might have been able to forecast. But apart from that, it's nothing that we ever could have prepared for, whether we should have or not. That's a whole other issue. But just in terms of mentally being prepared to shut our lives down indefinitely the way we've been forced to is nothing that we could have surmised even a couple of weeks ago. So there are so many components, I think, to what we're all feeling but the fear and the uncertainty is, I think, what is maximum in terms of those emotions, you know. Um, we don't know when it's going to be not only safe to go back to work. We don't know. They, they came up with, or at least they popularized the phrase, the new normal, with all the new restrictions that went into place after 9-11. Uh, I don't think we have any idea what the new normal is going to be once we hopefully climb out of this. So there are so many different layers to the unknown right now that cause such great consternation for all of us that as diligently as you try to stay busy and stay healthy and keep your mind occupied, I've gotten to a point, and I hate to say this to a guy who runs an all-news station for which I'm, I work, but it's hard for me to watch and listen to the news right now because it's uh, how many times can you get beaten over the head with a piece of plywood before you say, okay, make it stop hurting. Yeah, no, that's, I, what, that's what it's become. Yeah, no, and, and it is a, a tightrope because what we're trying to do, as you know, is deliver important information in a calm and reassuring way. But boy, it's not that easy for the folks that are behind the microphone and on the air to deliver that because they're also your friends, your neighbors. They're living mm -hmm. with it. Their friends are quarantined. Some of them are at home. Let me back you up for a second because I'm, I'm really glad you gave me a little opening here to say something about the people who are making their living disseminating information right now. Um, what they have to do in the face of all this new information, which affects every single one of us, including them, to get this information out in an even-tempered, even-handed way without um, alarming anyone unnecessarily, without frightening people beyond what they uh, you know, are naturally now anyway, um, I salute those people because I know the adrenaline rush that we all get in this business when we're in the middle of delivering and expounding upon breaking news. It's a rush. It's a thrill. It's one of the reasons we do what we do. We love it. But when it's at this level and affects us all, and you have to be able to separate yourself, your agenda, your personal feelings, your family situation from the basic task of keeping the public informed, it may sound like an easy thing to do, but I know from having been there on a couple of occasions, it's not. So hats off to all the people that you've got working at, at WCBS 880 and everybody who, as I say, disseminates the news for a living now, be it electronic or print. Um, I don't think those people could ever get enough credit. So you gave me my opening, which is, you know, <laughs> great, great sports announcers let things happen in front of them. Don't get ahead of the play. Don't get ahead of themselves. And that's what happened when you were doing the TV call for the Piazza home run on 9-11. I mean, obviously different than a radio call. 
Uh, but but that was so. I mean, a lot of people give you a lot of credit for it, and you shoo shoo them away because uh, yeah. it, it just happened. But 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 that's what happened. You were talking, and it happened in front of you, and and you almost let it happen like that. I mean, that's what pros do. No. Lopez wants it away, and it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run by Piazza, and the Mets lead three to two. Well, thank you, but I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. And I know you've heard this story before, but it's actually rather funny about the lead-up to that game, the hours before that game. Now, just to back you up, 10 days after 9-11, New York City was holding its first major sporting event, and close to 50,000 people were going to go to Shea Stadium that night, and it was not without trepidation that I made my way to the ballpark, too. It was a very frightening time, as it is now. And I wasn't all that comfortable with being in that environment, but we had to, and we were, and and what transpired in those few hours before the game was almost surreal because we had the executives from the Madison Square Garden Network for whom we worked and were televising the game that night come into the booth and they said to my broadcast partner, Fran Healy and me, said, listen, this is going to be an event unlike any other you've ever done, unlike any you've ever been able to prepare for. And it's not going to be a normal baseball game, no matter what happens on the field. So they said, whatever you do, don't go over the top. Don't emote the way you might had the situation not evolved. Just keep everything as low-key as you can. And whatever you do, make no references whatsoever, as often happens within the baseball vernacular, to bombs or explosions or things like that. And anyway, they left the booth, and Healy and I looked at each other and went, well, that's kind of weird because... You know, when you broadcast a live event, whatever it is, you don't know how it's going to unfold. And and you've got 50,000 people who are going to, in a lot of ways, dictate to you how to react. So the whole idea of keeping it low key was a little bit beyond my ability to really grasp. But we did. And and then Piazza hits the home run. And and I tried to keep it low key. And you might have heard the call. I said, this one's got a chance. Uh, on the ball's way out of the ballpark, and some people have teased me over the years about, hey, you think that ball had a chance? It went 450 feet. You think it had a chance? But and we're the, just following orders by keeping it low key. And the footnote to that story is Fran, right? Is what Fran ended well, up, <laughs> which yeah. I love. Well, yeah, um, Fran and and those executives didn't have the greatest relationship. We'll kind of leave it at that. But Fran loved to tweak them, and vice versa. And so, as I say, we were told, make no references whatsoever to bombs, explosions, or the like. And Healy's way of letting them know what he thought of that edict came a little while after Piazza crossed home plate. He said, this place just exploded. They've been waiting, and he made sure to say it about three times. They've been waiting to explode all night, and they just exploded. And I'm just sitting there shaking my head, going, boy, if that's not somebody, you know, giving the verbal you-know-what to his superiors, I don't know what is. (laughs) How do you think that baseball, when and if it comes back, uh, and hopefully sometime soon, could provide a similar elixir to uh, the fans of the New York area that 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 game and baseball coming back back in 9-11 did? I have never been so sure of anything in my life as I am of that, Tim. I think that 
Even after 9-11, here's where I think the situation was different. Uh, First of all, it happened late in the baseball season. The Mets, although they would rally those last couple of weeks and make a race out of it, were, you know, just basically on the outer fringes of the pennant race. And so when baseball came back, uh, I wasn't so sure until Piazza's home run and I saw the reaction that it was even the right thing to do because we were so devastated as a nation in a way that we hadn't quite been before you remember, we're about the same age, being in third grade, fourth grade during the Cold War, and we used to have to do these drills where we duck under the table in case they bombed the school. You know, if the bomb didn't get yeah. you, the table falling on top of your head would have finished you off. But anyway, that's how we used to prepare. But the teachers would always tell us, and, you know, we were very impressionable as nine, ten-year-old kids. They would always say, but something like that could never happen here. There's never been a war other than the Civil War fought on our turf and with our defenses there probably never will be. So we always kind of grew up thinking that we were insulated in that way. Well, 9-11 took care of that. So we were experiencing feelings and emotions we never had before. And they transcended my ability to get excited about a baseball game. Uh, This is different. This is going to hopefully result in a time when it is decreed that it is safe for everybody to go back to some semblance of their lives and enjoy recreation. And I don't know when this season is going to start. Hopefully it will. My little fantasy is that we get it started somewhere around July 4th. That might not even be plausible, but think about this, Tim. What a celebration for the nation to get baseball back around July 4th and to sort of reignite everything that we love about this country and our independence and, and feeling the ability to do as we wish, when we want, um, free in this case of this, this awful, awful virus, that, that seems almost like a, a fantasy now, but it's one that I go to sleep every night clutching and, and hoping that maybe we could lie forth one of the most special countries' history. Well, I would love to see that. I'd love to be next to you when it happens in New York, and uh, uh, stay healthy there, Howie, and, and make sure uh, everybody in the family... Uh, uh, knows we're thinking about him, and we we look forward to seeing you soon, right? I can't wait, Tim. Thank you. Same to you and your family. I love Howie's optimism. And I had a chance to talk to his counterpart here in New York from the Yankees, John Sterling, another friend of mine. He loved the idea of baseball coming back on the 4th of July, his birthday. Well, I'd settle for that. Right now, I'd settle for that. And um, I think after a few more months of being in all the time, we're going to go crazy. But I I would sign up for that tomorrow, Tim, and I, I hope that's what happens. Maybe that's why I'm a Met fan. Eternal optimist in the most distressing of circumstances. Thanks for listening. If you like 880 In Depth, subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it. You'll find it wherever you get your podcast. Just search WCBS 880 In Depth. And tell your friends. And as Howie likes to say, put it in the box! Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love. 
hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.